As Amos said, our sermon text today is Joshua 22, uh, verses 1 through 9. Joshua 22, verses 1 through 9. GESK 2020, that is G-E-S-K, GESK 2020. That's the name of this current sermon series. And, And GESK 2020 is an acronym for General Election Survival Kit. General Election Survival Kit 2020. This survival kit will hopefully provide y'all with some resources that will help y'all navigate this toxic and divisive general election. Resources that will help you not lose your everlasting mind. Have you ever felt like you're losing your everlasting mind? Resources that will help you stand firm in, in the hope that Jesus offers resources that will will hopefully help you not to break fellowship and end relationships because of the results of this presidential election. How many relationships have been ruined in your life? Resources that will help each of us to function with a spirit of humility, compassion, and empathy, and teachability, resources that will help y'all not fall into hopelessness or spread off into a spirit of, of false hope and idolatry. The first resource in this general election survival kit is spiritual swagger. I addressed that resource two weeks ago, and so if you haven't listened to that sermon, it's on Facebook Live because all these sermons are connected. The message uh, is on the Facebook page. The second resource in this survival kit comes from a historical story right here in the book of Joshua. The book is about the conquest of the promised land and the distribution of that land to the 12 tribes of Israel. The story is set in Joshua 22. Joshua 22. It's in the Old Testament, the sixth book of the Bible. That's the text that Amos just read. I've titled this historical story, The Other Side of the Jordan. The other side of the Jordan. It's a story about the covenant unity between God's covenant people who live on opposite sides of the Jordan River. And there are some lessons that we can learn from this story that will hopefully help us survive as believers this 2020 general election. The story is about how covenant unity is displayed tested and persevered between those who live on opposite sides of the Jordan. It begins high and it goes low and then it rises high again at the end. The story begins with covenant unity on display. The opening scene takes place at Shiloh, which is, which is the center of Israelites, Israelites' worship during the time of Joshua and through the time of Judges. Joshua uh, chapter 18 shows that all the people of Israel have assembled together at Shiloh. They, they even have set up the Ten of Meetings, and the Ten of Meetings is, is basically the tabernacle. The whole congregation is together in unity, ready to witness Joshua a lot, the seven remaining tribes, their land inheritance. This is a time of peace, a time of rest, a time of unity. Covenant unity is on display at Shiloh. And all is well within God's covenant family. Why is that? What's the reason? It's because the Lord God is fulfilling the promises 
that he made to their forefathers many, many years ago. In Joshua 21, verses 43 and through 45, listen to what Joshua says. It says, thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give their fathers. And they took possession of it and they settled there. And the Lord God gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all the enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all of their enemies into their hands. I hope you're excited about that. Not one word, listen to this, not one word of all the good promises the Lord God made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Not one of all the good promises that the Lord God made to the house of Israel have failed. All came to pass. It's party time at Shiloh. Okay? It's party time. They, they're not, they're not going to be the frozen chosen. They are celebrating because they, they Yahweh has done it. He has fulfilled. And they're chatting to one another. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. They're saying to one another, won't he do it? Won't he do it? They're saying to one another, God favored us. Yahweh has come through. All his good promises are are coming to pass. Not one of them have failed. And so if this is true in Joshua 22, is it still true today? Or has he stopped? Or has he stopped? Or has he quit? Because of what God has done, because of what he is doing, as a result, the whole congregation of Israel, all 12 tribes are gathered together in unity. It is beautiful community on full display at Shiloh. What kind of community is on display here at the Village Church? What's on display among Christians in Huntsville, across all the denominations and local churches? What's on display here in America among believers and among churches and among denominations during this presidential election? Is it beautiful community or is it toxic community? What do y'all see? You in the world throughout the week, what do you see amongst believers? I'm not talking about pagans. I'm talking about people who claim to know Jesus. What do you see? What we see among the 12 tribes of Israel at Shiloh is what David expresses in Psalm 133. He says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robe. That's beautiful community. Is that what we see? among Christians in America today. After Joshua Lot's seven remaining tribes and land, he summoned the two tribes, two Israelite tribes and one half-tribe. He calls the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He singles them out for a reason, because there's a backstory. I love a good backstory. You see, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they made a commitment to their brothers they made a commitment to the brothers, to Moses, and to the Lord. They made a vow to help the Israelites' brothers secure their inheritance in the land of Canaan. 
the commitment was made many, many years ago before Moses' death back in Numbers chapter 22, chapter 32. Back in Numbers chapter 32. These two tribes and the half tribe, they didn't want to inherit their land, their inheritance in the land of Canaan, west of the Jordan. They wanted to inherit the land east of the Jordan in the land of Gilead. And so in Numbers 32, the, the, the people of Reuben, the people of God, they made a request to Moses and to the high priest and to the chief of the congregations. And they said to these leaders, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for possession. Don't take us across the Jordan. We want to stay here in Gilead. Can we have this land? This seems like a, an honest request. Would you agree? Moses wasn't feeling it. He was not feeling it. It actually touched a deep nerve. So much so that he gave them, you got to be kidding me, look. A stern arrow, sand under his breath. Lord, get your people. Lord, get your people. Moses probably wanted to lay hands on them because of this request. Can you relate to Moses' feelings? There are people you want to lay hands on right now, right? Be honest. Let's own it. At times in your life, you're going, to, you're going to want to lay hands on family members, friends, co-workers, other Christians, Democrats, Republicans. And for TVC members, they're probably members in this church you want to lay hands on. Be honest, it's on it. All of us, including Moses, will sometimes be like the, the hip-hop artist Toby Norwigui when he says, try Jesus. Don't try me because I throw hands. Try Jesus. Please don't try me because I fight. Moses felt like these brothers were trying him. And he responded to them by saying, Shall your brothers go to war while y'all sit here? Why will y'all discourage the hearts of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Next, Moses gave them a history lesson, reminding them of their fathers sin in this area and the consequences that fell upon them then he said to them you have risen in your father's place an offspring of sinful men an offspring of sinful men those are some cold and harsh words moses i get it i understand moses was frustrated because he assumed he assumed that they wanted to abandon the covenant responsibility to their brothers. He was going to, he assumed that they, they were going to let their brothers go to war while they stay back in Gilead and have a good old time on the east of the Jordan. That's what he assumed. And so the people of Reuben and Gad, they saw Moses' frustration, and then they, they came to him again. They adjusted their request. They said their adjustment reassured Moses that they, did, they were not going to desert their brothers and, and their covenant responsibility to them. They told Moses, we will take up arms, ready to go before the people of Israel. Until we have brought them to their place, we will not return home. Until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance on the west side of the Jordan. But we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan to the east. Do you see what's happening? 
Do you understand what is taking place? They, they didn't want to settle down on the west side of the Jordan. They, they wanted to settle down on the east side. But they delayed the enjoyment of their own inheritance until they brought their brothers to theirs. They said, we're, we're not going to set up, we're not going to build houses. We, we're going to wait and, and, and set up. We're going to wait for our enjoyment. We're going to delay our enjoyment until we bring our brothers to the other side of the Jordan to get what God has promised them. Do you see what is taking place? Moses pondered their request and the vow attached to it. And actually, eventually, he accepted it with a strong warning attached. He warned them that their sin would find them out if they reneged on the vow. But if they fulfilled the vow, then they will be given the land of Gilead for possession. They will be given the land on the eastern side of the Jordan. And now when you fast forward years and years and years later to the present historical story in Joshua 22, we see that they did not renege on their vow. They honored their vow to their brothers. They did help their brothers secure their inheritance on the west side of the Jordan. We see them standing alongside their brothers. We see them celebrating with their brothers. We see, th- this, we see them displaying covenant unity with their west side brothers at Shiloh. Again, we see beautiful community. Amen, Pastor. And in Joshua 22, he summons the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh for recognition and to free them from their obligation. First, he, he commends them in verses 2 and 3. He says, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of God, commanded you and have obeyed my voice and all that I commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days. That is many years. It wasn't like a weekend thing. This was years. They delayed the enjoyment of their inheritance for years down to this day. But you have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And second, he discharges them in verse four. He says, now that the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them, therefore turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies which Moses, the servant of God, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. He discharges them. And third, he exhorts them in verse 5. He says, only be careful to observe the commandments and, and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's what he exhorts them to do on the east side of the Jordan. And lastly, he blesses them and sends them away in verse 8. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. The Rumanites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh are heading home to Gilead after many, many years. They're going back to the other side of the Jordan to finally enjoy their inheritance. And the most important thing here is that they are departing their brothers at Shiloh in peace. With covenant unity and beautiful community on full display. You see, the eastern tribes 
and the Western tribes are part of the same covenant community, even though they live on opposite sides of the Jordan. You need to please take that in. The Eastern tribes and the Western tribes of Israel are part of the same covenant community, even though they live on opposite sides of the Jordan, even though they're part of different tribes. And the same is true for believers today. Believers in the world, believers in, Amer- uh, 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 believers in America, believers in Alabama, believers in Huntsville, and believers in this church. We live on different continents in different nations and in different states and different cities and different neighborhoods. We go to different schools. We listen to different types of music. We read different types of books. We listen to watch different types of movies. We don't live on the same side of the Jordan. We're part of different tribes. We come from different biological families. We have different life experiences in America. We're part of different ethnic groups, different cultures, different age groups, different education levels, different social class, white collar, blue collar, different denominations, and we have different views on politics and social views. We don't live on the same side of the Jordan. But as Christians, we're all part of the same covenant community, just like the Eastern and Western tribes in Joshua 22. But do y'all believe it or do y'all live it? Or do you think I got to live on the same side of the Jordan with you to be in unity with you? What do you think? How are you living? Saints, please hear this. Close proximity, close proximity isn't what unifies these tribes together. Neither is their shared nationality, ethnicity, and culture. They don't have to live on the same side of the Jordan in order to be in unity with each other. They don't have to share everything in common in order to be unified. Their covenant relationship with Yahweh Elohim is what unifies them together. Amen, Pastor. They worship and serve the same Trinitarian God. That's, the, that's what unifies them, regardless of what side of the Jordan they live on. Who is this God? In Exodus 4, if you know what happens in Exodus 4 with Moses, this is when God spoke to Moses from a burning bush. I know that sounds like a, 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 a fantasy movie, but it's not. It happened. And so out of this bush, God spoke to Moses, and he, he called Moses to go to Egypt in order to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And that's the people of Israel. And then Moses said to God, if I go to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, said to the people of Israel, the, the Lord, Yahweh, Elohim, you're of your fathers and of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered through all generations. And in this current generation of Israelites in Genesis and Joshua 22, he is still the great I am. He is still I am who I am. He's still a covenant keeping 
God. He's still Yahweh Elohim, and he alone is the source of the unity between his covenant people. This means he isn't just God on the east side of the Jordan, nor is he just God on the west side of the Jordan. He's God on both sides at the same time. At the same time. And the same is true today for his covenant people who live and function on different sides of the Jordan. He's God on both sides at the same time, fully, equally, without discrimination and without favoritism. But do y'all believe it and do y'all live it? Or do you think he loves your people on the side of Jordan more than he loves those on the other side? A seminary student I know from Louisiana posted these words on his Facebook page this week. He wrote, sadly, after this election, there will be a devastating wake of ruined Christian relationships because many have placed politics over Christianity. May the Lord give the grace to repent and reconcile. This is happening because functionally, Christians in America, regardless of ethnicity and nationality, look to other things to be the source of our unity. What do you think of some of those other sources that we look to to draw us together? Please understand that those other sources can become idols and sinking sand when they're being used as a source of Christian unity. Politics, nationalism, theology, being anti-racist, power, worship style, your constitutional rights, your religious freedom. Family, capitalism, being cross-cultural, being an ally, Christian denominations, ethnicity, being progressive, being conservative, being woke, being pro-life, being patriotic. If those things, if we're looking to those things to to be the source of our unity, then we ain't ever going to be together. We ain't ever going to be together. What is this presidential election revealing about you and the believers on your side of the Jordan? Because we spend our time criticizing people on the other side, and we don't realize our side messed up too. What has it revealed about your tribe? And what, has it, and what is it revealing about how you see believers on the other side of the Jordan? What's the, what is the functional source of our unity. Is it really God? Close proximity isn't a source. Living on the same side of the Jordan isn't a source. Ethnicity and culture and nationality and politics are not the source. Like the Western and Eastern tribes in Joshua 22 who live on opposite sides of the Jordan, the source of Christian unity is still Yahweh Elohim. I am who I am. Our Trinitarian God is the one who unifies us together. Nothing else can. But how has he unified us together? How has he done that? God's covenant people today have something the Old Testament saints never had. That's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises, hopes, and prophecies in the person of Jesus Christ. They they never got that. They never had the privilege of having that. We have it because we have the completed Bible. Don't forget who y'all used to be before Jesus redeemed you. 
Don't forget what, what he had to do in order to make that possible. You didn't come out of the womb, I love God. You didn't just pop out as a Christian. God sent his only son into the world to bring about cosmic redemption. That is the redemption of sinners and the redemption of all the creation. His life and his death and his resurrection makes this redemption possible. And all you have to do is have seven faith in Jesus. Confess, repent, and surrender to him. And in Christ, all Christians around the world have been transformed, transferred from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. All of us have. And that's an amen statement. He done that. The president hasn't done that. The political party hasn't done that. Capitalism hasn't done that. Jesus did that. Your religious freedom hasn't done that. Jesus did that by dying for you. Who else in this world going to die for you as a sinner and make you a friend? Nobody. In Christ, all believers on the face of the earth has been transformed from sinner to saint. Who else can do that for you? From sinner to saint. From enemies to friends. From orphan to child. From the unbeloved to the beloved. Jesus does that. In Christ, we have all, as Christians, been taken out of the foster care system and been placed in a forever family. And that's an amen statement. A forever covenant family who are eternally joined together in Jesus Christ. If Jesus isn't enough for us to live and function in unity with one another, nothing else will do. And the reason we don't get along is because there's something about Jesus we don't love and we don't understand. The resource from this sermon that's going to help you navigate this election season is to remember who is the real source of Christian unity in this country. It is Jesus. Period. Everything else is secondary. It begins with him. And if we can't get along with one another, and if we're going to allow an election to divide us, then there's something about Jesus we do not understand. And in fact, we might not, we might not be Christians. Have you ever thought about that? Our example is Christ, period, as Christians. Period. The book stops with him. If you say you love him, then you're going to love his people regardless of what side of the Jordan they live on. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate his people. Where can you find in the scripture? Show me. Show me, and I'll prove you wrong. If you love him, you're going to love his people, even those who are different than you, even those who live on the other side of the Jordan. All Christians in this country worship and serve the same God. Unless you believe in Christian nationalism, then you don't. That is idolatry. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. That is not Jesus. What do you believe on your side of the Jordan? What do your side of the Jordan really believe? There's a gospel song by Hezekiah Walker that we sing here sometimes, and it says it's about Christian community and unity says, I need you, and you need me. We're all part of God's family. Stand with me. Agree with me. 
We're all part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. You can include with my, on my, my Facebook posts and my Twitter posts, I won't harm you. I love you. I need you to survive. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. What we have in Christianity in America is what you have when, when there's no persecution. Because we have the privilege of not being, not, don't have to do life together because of the country we live in. But if persecution ever comes, that word is, that, that song is going to be your confession. Because right now, you have the luxury and the option to say, I don't have to deal with those Christians. You have that because of the country we live in. But that is not a kingdom view. Um, that is not a kingdom view. You need God's people. God relates to his people in covenant. Together. Can you say these words to fellow believers who live on your side of Jordan? And can you say these words to fellow believers who live on the other side of the Jordan? I hope so. I hope so. Next week, we were gonna, we're going to continue with this sermon. As I said, it, the story begins high. It's getting ready to go very low next week. Then it's going to become high again. Because we're going to see what happens to Christians when we live on assumptions and we refuse to go to the other side of the Jordan to get real understanding. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you are God on both sides of the Jordan. That you alone is the source of our unity. And here's the thing. We don't make that happen. We have it because of you. We just don't live it. We just don't live it out. And so my prayer for each of us as we go back into the world this week, help us, Lord, to realize that the source of Christian unity is Jesus. And if we can't get along with other believers, then there's something about Jesus that we're not believing in. So Holy Spirit, do a work in our heart. Do a work in our mind. I pray as we commune through prayer and the word this week that you would transform us, that you will take the scales off our eyes and that you will help us to see the things that we cannot see. And I pray for some of us, we need to go to the other side of Jordan and get real understanding. And not let people on our side of the Jordan tell us what to think about people on the other side. So, Lord, I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand?